0: The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP.
1: Welcome to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and I'm joined today with someone who has been around me. We've been around each other for a little while. Um, I'm having a hard time remembering when, but Shelly Bath Len. She's the executive director of The Garden, which is a center for grieving children and teens. It's a free program of Cooley Dickinson VNA and Hospice. And hi, how are you, Shelley?
0: Oh my gosh, I'm great. Thank you. So good to be here.
1: Yeah, it's nice to have you here. Thank you for coming on. And I'm not remembering when we met or how we met, but I'm having a feeling that it possibly was that I reached out to you because I was once a grieving child slash teen, depending on the age, I guess, you know, we can talk about that, but the age that you um, sort of denote child, teen, youth, um, but... The Garden is a program, it's a free program that exists um, throughout the Pioneer Valley for um, youth who are grieving the loss of a loved one. Is that
0: right? That's that's right. Exactly. So someone close in the life of that person has died. Most often it's a mom or a dad, um, but we s- work with kids remembering a sibling or a friend, a grandparent, aunt, uncle.
1: Varies. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I lost my mom when I was 16. Um, in 1997, but that uh, the garden was not around then. Is that right? That's right. We opened in 1998. Yeah. Cancer Connection opened in 98, too, I think. So I missed all these, all these milestones. You can for... still take advantage
0: of yeah. them both. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I do, just not at the garden or at Cancer Connection. I won't say where, where I go to, to grieve or work my demons out. But anyway, so 1998, have you been around since 1998? You've been involved since then?
0: No, I started a few years later. So uh, this is my 21st year with the program. So I started in 2001. So maybe this is my 22nd year. Anyway, um, next year is the 25th anniversary of the garden. And um, it's just crazy. That's amazing. we've been around that long.
1: Yeah. um, I didn't realize that you were there that long or that the program was ar- around that long I guess so the partnership exists it sits within VNA and hospice and then the larger context is Cooley Dickinson and then even larger than that Mass General right exactly yep that's the way it works um
0: yeah so i
1: think it was about
0: 6 years ago that um, i had Two very brief 30minute conversations with the VNA hospice about us needing a kind of a new home, a new fiduciary sponsor from the YMCA. And um, I couldn't believe it, two half hour conversations and the partnership has been fantastic. Um, we've got a home. We don't have a garden, but um, we have a home and then lots and lots of support, you know, development. Uh, there's some great grant writers for me, uh, publicity, and just a wonderful support, you know. Being specifically within the hospice program, which is, um, you know, supporting those at the end of life, is even, you know, a stronger um, match, I should say, than um, with than what it was with the with the YMCA.
1: So you were previously housed inside of the Y. Okay. We were. Yeah, we started there in
0: 1998, and. Um, in different ways, it was a good fit. You know, it was a kind of a happy place for families to come. Um, you know, there were other kids running around the building, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, we needed a lot of space there, and they wanted to.
1: Space is a hot commodity at the YMCA. That much I know. Yes. Lots of jockeying for space over there. Exactly. Exactly. So it
0: it worked well. And our memory garden is still there. Um, I don't tend to it anymore, but it's still there. And um, it's lined with our memory bricks that we did a few fundraisers around um, where folks from the community purchased a brick in memory of someone or something. And and they're still there. I wonder if
1: I purchased a brick. Maybe that's how we met. Oh, maybe I should go look and see. You there's a brick there. There you go. You're jogging my memory. <laughs> um, so VNA took you in, and so are you now housed on Industrial Drive. That's right. Yep, 168 Industrial Drive, where the VNA Hospice
0: is, and that's where the families come on Sunday afternoons. Um, I have a great office space there, and um, the parking lot is empty on Sunday afternoons. So that's actually a big plus uh, compared to when it was at the Y. Parking was always at a premium. That um, also is at a premium at the Y. Yes, space, exactly. Right.
1: Space inside the <laughs> building and parking spots. Exactly. Although it has gotten better in COVID. Oh, yeah.
0: oh sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the garden uh, runs there on Sunday afternoons. And since I'm part of the VNA hospice, there have been a lot of carryover with hospice families coming to the garden and my being able to kind of work with families um, at the end of life and, uh, and just make this kind of um, just nice carryover into our program. So it's, um, it's just, it's been great. It's been a really nice fit there.
1: So families come to the garden on industrial drive on Sundays to do what? Yeah. So, Sunday
0: afternoons, eight weeks in the fall and 10 weeks in the spring. Um, It's a family support program. So, we aren't here just for the kids. Um, Kids are part of a system, a family system. So, we want to work with the whole family. Um, After our opening, we break up into small groups. So, kids are in groups with others their age. And they do a variety of activities, projects, even games. We may go outside and play feelings tag, for example, or go on a walk. And at the same time, their adult caregiver is uh, with me, actually, in a group with all the other parents and adult caregivers where um, we don't do a lot of games, um, but we have a conversation about um, what's happening, what they're seeing, what their concerns are, what their questions, and it turns into this lovely exchange of, um, things that have worked and things that don't work. Um, and that is, um, so those groups are going on at the same time in the same building, but in, um, in everybody's own separate place. And, um, and then we come back together for our closing circle. And, um, what I like to say about the garden is that we are a place where kids and adults can remember, Their person or people, or they can share anything at all about their person or their people, and make connections with others, um, whether it's you know another kid or another family. And over the years, I have seen some just
1: the most heart heartwarming um, connections. So, do you see kids and families for more than that initial session? Can people families can can, enroll with? more
0: if needed? Yep. Good question. I ask families to make a a, um, commitment to that one session at least, and then they can return for multiple sessions as long as they'd like. Um, And we welcome that because we know that grief doesn't go away. Um, We grieve for a lifetime. And um, when children come, you know, their cognitive maturity changes, right? It changes you know, every hour, every day. Um, and so as they mature, they understand what that death means in their life differently. And so we welcome them to return um, really for that. But also we know that many times families come to us and they're like, you know, deer in the headlights. They're just kind of in a daze. What happened? Um, how are we going to do this? And so coming back for subsequent sessions, they then get that much more out of it because they've kind of settled into, they've integrated this loss into their life a
1: little bit um, more strongly, I guess. And so when they when they come in and you work with them in different ways, are there other partners in the community that you're bringing in that they're also seeing? Like are you making connections to other nonprofits or um, therapists or psychologists? Um, yes, not a lot of
0: nonprofits, but absolutely. In the adult group, we do a lot of talking about um, what other supports their children have or may need. And so conversations about therapists or counselors that families are currently working with and may another and maybe another family wants to connect with that person. I keep um, lists of therapists who work with kids on issues of grief and loss so that I can make the referral. Um, Other partners include um, schools, Um, our number one referral source. Well, I think it's neck and neck (laughs) between pediatricians and schools. And um, Northampton Area Pediatrics is chief among them. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Schwab over there has been our champion from the beginning.
1: I Um, love Dr. Schwab. He sees both of my kids. Oh, that's awesome. I used to see Dr. Kenny. Um, and he retired a few years ago, but much, much to my chagrin. But yeah, so they're, they're great practice. They're great, and
0: they make referrals to us, and have been. And then schools are the other um, main refer to the garden. Uh, schools from you know Northfield, Mount Hermon, down to Springfield Public Schools, and everywhere in between. Um, they may call and just ask for a consultation or uh, invite me to come in and talk to kids or consult with the staff. Many, many different ways that I partner with schools. So you are seeing all four counties of the region? Yes, we don't have a catchment area. So I like to say if a family can get to us, they are welcome to us. And unfortunately, not all families can get to us. We don't have the greatest public transportation system in the Valley um, but we've gotten creative with carpooling and stuff. Um, but yeah, families can come over from Berkshire County, Hamden County, Hampshire County, and Franklin County.
1: That's great. Well, we're already at our first break, so we're gonna take it. You've been listening to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and my guest today is Shelly Bath Len from The Garden she's the executive director and the garden is a center for grieving children and teens which is a program of Cooley Dickinson VNA and Hospice we'll be right back The Western Mass Business Show
0: with Tara Brewster WHMB
1: Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show I'm Tara Brewster and my guest today is Shelley Bathlen of The Garden it's a center for grieving children and teens and their parents and their families, a free program of Cooley Dickinson VNA and Hospice. And Shelly was just talking about how the garden obviously is a free program and the things that they're doing for children and families meeting on Sundays on Industrial Drive in Northampton. Um, and then the catchment area is also the whole Pioneer Valley, which is pretty amazing. Um, but unfortunately, you're having trouble sometimes getting people there, which I feel like a lot of places say, um, despite best efforts, you know, our, our public transit system isn't the best. So are people coming in on Zoom? Are you able to have phone calls? Or does it have to be an in-person program for you?
0: Well, during COVID, we did create um, some programming for Zoom um, that was online. Um, but we are back in person. And, um, and so it is kind of limited to those who can get to us. But actually, that's why I developed the school outreach program that I did, I don't know, over ten years ago, where um, my idea was that I'm just going to go where the kids are. and um, and so I was working with schools or have worked with schools down in Springfield um, and all over Westfield, West Springfield, Holyoke, um, Hatfield, Greenfield, um, and even um, you know way up in what's up there? Is that Northfield?
1: Northfield, yes, <laughs> sorry. It's way up north. <laughs> <laughs> north uh, a ways. Um, Are there specific reasons that you work with those schools, or did they reach out to you and just say, we'd love to have you come in? And um, At
0: first, I just did a lot of calling and making uh, schools aware that I can offer this program. Um, and now schools call me because the word has been out, and um, I just those are the towns that um, that I listed off are the ones where I know that I've been. Um, it's not limited to those. It's um, it's really about the school and uh, do they want you know to have um, this service in their school building, and um, but the goal there is is to you know reach grieving kids. I don't have the family component there. Um, because kids are, uh, you know, come to school without their family. Um, but I am available to those families. Um, and so I work with the schools. I can do a group with grieving kids right uh, in the school building during the school day, but I can also um, provide training and consultation to staff uh, after a death, whether it's been a student who died or a staff member. Um, another program that I do in the schools um, is a grief literacy program where I'll go in and I'll read a book and um, have a start a gentle conversation about death and dying and um, and so and then there's just different little um, programs that I'll create depending on you know what the issue is Um, maybe it's just consulting with you know one person or maybe it's talking to um, just one particular classroom you know it really varies Um, I'm kind of wide open. Uh, I just want to support grieving kids.
1: And so are you seeing that the the levels of grieving kids are the same? Are they rising? Are they dependent on a region or a city? I mean, I'd love to kind of yeah, hear from you I what wish you're I could seeing say, out there.
0: Um, what ha- what I, the trend I have noticed, um, which goes along with the opioid epidemic, is that um, I would, you know, right along with, uh, the time frame of you know that becoming an epidemic. I've seen families come to the program um, following an overdose or um, you know whether it's intentional or not, um, and that's definitely you know I did not see much of that before um, the opioid epidemic. Um, the other trend, and I don't know if it's fair to say a trend, but um, so families of the garden have kids. And families who have kids are younger families. And so for the most part, the garden families um, come to us because the death was sudden and unexpected. Um, And that number is greater than those where the death was anticipated. Um, So for example, somebody died by cancer or another disease. Um, So the unexpected um, and sudden deaths are definitely, you know, kind of more what we see at the garden. And um, and I feel like those families, um, you know, do they need more support than an anticipated family? I don't want to go there, but, um, you know, they soak it up. They soak up the information. They soak up the support a little bit greater than, um, than those who, you know, was a little bit was anticipated. Mainly because I think our our medical system, at least at Cooley Dickinson, um, you know, we have the cancer center, when there's some rock rock solid, amazing um, social workers there um, that can help these families tap into organizations, actually, such as um, the Cancer Connection. But Cancer Connection doesn't have a child's program, so so it's it's you know we're getting there. Um, but that those are the two things that I see in my mm-hmm. time at the Garden. Um, there's been, um, definitely an uptick in families who, you know, have experienced a death from an overdose and, um, you know, the majority of the families, it's more of a sudden and unexpected death.
1: And so are you seeing the kids respond any differently from an expected versus an unexpected death? Like, is there any variation that you would be able to sort of say like, you know? Yeah, no,
0: I don't, um. They are all grieving in their own way. They're all, um, you know, children um, are trying to wrap their head around it and they're trying to understand it. it, it if there's any difference at all, it may be uh, with how the family addresses and shares that information to the child, um, you know, an anticipated death most of the families that come to the garden, uh, there had been some conversation with a child that a death is coming, um, you know, is anticipated, um, whereas with a sudden unexpected death, there wasn't that, you know, heads up, right? And so they can't, you know, give that heads up to their child. Um, and so families a lot of times struggle with how to inform the child of this sudden unexpected death, whether it's suicide or drug overdose or homicide um and you know and it goes out from there um but Sometimes, and over the years this is happening um, more and more, families are calling me right away after the death, and so I'm able to kind of walk them through and hold their hand and how to tell that child. Um, But that is a big part of what we do at the garden, is helping the children understand what happened. And so when I'm working with the adults, because that's the group I do, we talk about, we just did this yesterday, because the program was yesterday, and... um, we talk about how the truth trumps, and how um, it's not always easy to say, it's not always easy to hear, but ultimately, it's the best. Um, when children don't get the truth, um, they're confused. They're walking around trying to figure out what happened, and then it can kind of erode um, this trust. this trust that you know we're trying to build and maintain um, with our our young kids, right? And, um, and so, you know, that's the angle I come at. And then we talk about, you know, building a script and helping them, giving them the words, the language to use, um, so that the adult feels as comfortable as they can sharing that information with their child.
1: And so, you know, when you're with the adults, do you have other people on your team that work at the garden that are working with the kids or what's happening in that? Oh, yes. Yes. Good point.
0: Um, So the guard – I'm the only staff member. Um, The rest of us are – and I say us even though I'm the only staff member um, (laughs) – are are volunteer facilitators that I recruit and train and supervise to uh, work with kids of – between the ages of 5 and 18 – Um, And I work with them and support them on developing plans, developing activities, the projects, the games. And so the kids are working with my facilitators, and I'm working with the adults. And um, these volunteer facilitators are just, uh, you know, they're amazing folks. Uh, They want to come. They want to give back to their community. And many of them have experienced Um, a childhood loss or a loss at some point in their life and um, and so they want to kind of close the loop so to speak and um, and so they're the ones that I uh, entrust in the kids Um, they work as a team there's at least two that will go together uh, to work with the kids and um, they're having a good
1: time with those kids yeah so important Um, we need to take another break but you've been listening to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster. My guest today is Shelly Bath Len, who is the executive director of The Garden, which is a center for grieving children and teens, a free program of Cooley Dickinson, DNA, and Hospice. We'll be right back.
0: The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMB.
1: Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and my guest today is Executive Director of The Garden, a center for grieving children and teens, Shelly Um, Thank you so much for being here. Mm-hmm. This has been a great conversation about kids and families and things that you don't really think about until they happen to you or until they happen to a friend or a classmate, um, because the percentage of... Parent loss uh, is probably, you know, small. I mean, it's probably bigger than we think. But in terms of impacting all of our lives, it doesn't really happen. It turns out. All that much, maybe. That we kind of know. So there's a,
0: um, a program like The Garden in Denver, Colorado called Judy's House. And they've created something called the Childhood Bereavement Estimation Model, or CBEM. And um, where they've been able to use real-time data from Social Security, from, um, I'm not sure, all the different places. And they can estimate for each state um, the numbers of children that will be bereaved. And in Massachusetts, it's one out of 14.
1: Hmm.
0: One out of 14 children will experience the death of someone close by the time they're 18 years old.
1: So is close parent
0: or is close
1: grandparent? Aunt, uncle, how, is, how are they defining close?
0: Um, I believe theirs is parent death. Got it. Um, and then they do
1: have... Um, um, and it seems, I mean, 14, one out of 14 seems higher than I would have thought. You know, I would have thought maybe in the 20s. Right, <clears throat> right. Realistically, right. but... Yeah, I mean, so at the garden, you don't uh, just categorize uh, grieving uh, of a of a loved one, a close uh, loved one, to be just a parent, right? It could be a sibling. It could be a grandparent. Exactly.
0: And for um, kids who are older, the teenage uh, age bracket, we welcome those remembering a friend because uh, we know that the, the friendship circle for teens is so important. Yes. And I apologize. So I'm looking at... Um, the CBIM, um report for Massachusetts, and it's one in fourteen uh, children in Massachusetts will experience the death of a parent or a sibling by the age of eighteen. Mm. Um, but I encourage folks to go to Judy's house and check out CBM if you really want um, numbers. They've, they they um, keep this updated year after year, and it's just a wonder. It's been a wonderful resource.
1: Yeah. Um, I appreciate that. It definitely is a lot higher than I thought it might be. Um, so let's go back a little bit to when you're in the schools and participating in the schools, reading to kids, you know, what does your work look like in a school when someone calls you in and you're there, you're doing, are you doing a specific task? Or are you on like a, uh, you know, for the year, or is it less than that? Your timing is great, because just last week, well, I'm in
0: the middle of a group at an area um, high school, so I go in once a week. I work with the same nine kids um, at the end of the day, 1 o'clock, and I am trying to um, get these kids to remember and share, giving them opportunities, I should say, to remember and share about their person, other people who've died while making connections. So last week we talked about self-care. And we talked about how they, you know, the things that they can do or the things that they wish to do uh, that can be, um, you know, defined as self-care. And just like at the garden on Sundays with my groups, with adults, these kids want to hear from each other. They, um, you know, I see their eyes getting big when they hear, you know, somebody else saying, the same thing that they're thinking or Mm -hmm. that they had a similar experience. Maybe not in the same classroom with the same teacher or the same friend, but they've had a similar experience. And that is, you know, my my job is done, really. Um, But I'll come back and work with those same kids for a total of eight weeks. And I offer that to schools K through 12 um, at any point in the school year. I've got a few more schools um, that have been knocking on my door and will be um, lining up groups for the probably January or February. Depending on when they call me, I could do theoretically three school groups in one school year, Um, and I like to do that because I know uh, what kind of what tends to happen is that once kids are in my group, they tell others, and then other kids say, well, my mom died or my so-and-so died, and so then another group within the same school allows more kids to get that support. Um, I have had, when there's subsequent um, groups within a school year at the same school, um, I have had some kids carry over into another group. It's always different for every school. Um, so while I was doing that group, because it's going on an eight-week model, another school called and needed some support around a death of, um, you know, a parent. And so I went in, I consulted with the staff, and then I went into. um the classroom, and I read my all-time favorite book for children. It was written over 80 years ago by the most beloved author out there for children's books called Margaret, Margaret Wise Brown, who wrote Goodnight Moon, you know, who par- which parents don't have that book in their library, or Runaway Bunny. Um, but she wrote this book called The Dead Bird over 80 years ago, and the fact that she put on the title she used the D word, phew, lights up my you know my heart in a big t- in a big way. Um, but so she helps uh, through this book. The children learn what it means when um, something dies. Uh, children will learn um, that we have feelings when something dies, and then they also learn how to commemorate uh, through this book as well. A little group of children find a dead bird, and they feel. Um, you know they shouldn't have touched the bird, but I, and I always talk about that in the, in the classroom too. I'm like they touch the bird in the story, but it's not such a clean uh, thing to do. So, um, but anyway, so in the story, the children put their fingers on the dead bird and they feel that there's no beating heart. And so in the classroom, I say, okay, let's do a test. Who here has a beating heart? And raise your hand. And thankfully, they all raise their hand. Um, of course, they would, right? because they're listening to my story. Um, And then we talk about feelings because the children are sad that the bird couldn't fly again. And then they have a funeral. And so then we talk about funerals um, right there in the classroom. Um, and so I've done that and that's available to you know m- I've done it K through six
1: have I was not. just gonna say how do the <laughs> older kids get down with the, right. the the dead bird the dead reading bird. yeah um are well, there older are there books for older kids oh sure there would. are
0: lots of books but those are more chapter books yeah um but you'd be surprised uh, one uh, group I did in South Hadley at the high school level. I brought in two children's books. Um, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about self care. Actually, um, we read. I split the group into two groups. One group read uh, Molly Bangs when Sophie gets really, really angry, and then the other one read Carmen uh, Wilson when Bear gets scared. And so these high schoolers loved reading a picture book for the first time in years, <laughs> and um, and then they came together and had a very. Uh, you know, intellectually, cognitively complex conversation around how the two books, you know, differed and compared and how they themselves can take care of themselves. So um, I think books can be a really great tool no matter the age. Um, but The Dead Bird is just is such a great uh, book to read, um, especially given how old it is um, from such a beloved author.
1: Yeah. And the one that I was remembering was... The Tenth Good Thing About Barney. Oh, yes. The Tenth Good Things About Barney by Judith
0: Viorst. Um, She wrote that in the 70s, so not quite as old. Um, But it's lovely. The illustrations are wonderful. The first page. Um, My cat Barney died today and I'm sad. Right there, first page. Out out in front and loud and proud. Exactly. Exactly. So it goes right into the emotional response of grief. And then I also like that book because the two, so it's, Um, two neighbor children um, come together and um, one child believes that Barney's up in heaven drinking cream and the other (laughs) child says no he's just in the ground and um, so then there's a little bit of a conversation around you know heaven and uh, you know what happens and afterlife and whatnot and um, I think she did a great job of, you know, tackling that as well. Yeah, um, I agree. And it's all about how to remember the cat. And um, and that's just a great uh, conversation about how we can remember. It doesn't have to be a cat. It can be our moms and our dads and our children. And I
1: loved the dad, too. Who oh. was like, just come out and work with me in the garden, yes. you know, like yes. plant some stuff and just try to take your mind off of it, right? It's such an adult response. It's like, move on, get busy, But then it becomes going. a lesson. Yes. Yeah. And then that's his 10th thing, right? That's right. right. Yeah. Anyway. You're going
0: to want to watch Wakanda forever if you haven't yet already, because lots of kids are going to see it. And the entire movie is a meditation on grief. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Should I set up like a little desk? You know, come yeah. talk to you me. You should watch <laughs> the first Black Panther first so that you can feel the grief that they feel. Yeah. Good call. Good call. The, Put that the movie that's taken me from zero to crying faster than any movie. It beat up the Pixar movie, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was the the reigning champ. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good right. to know. Yeah. Thanks putting for it sake. on the list. You're welcome.
1: All right. So we got to take another break. Shelley Bath-Lynn, um, from the Garden, a center for grieving children and teens, is here with us today, talking about um, how she does such important work with so many kids in the Valley and families in the Valley supporting them through one of the hardest things that they may ever have to go through. We'll be right back.
0: The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMV.
1: Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and my guest today is Shelly bath of The Garden, which you all know is a center for grieving children and teens. It's also a free program of cooley dickinson VNA and and Hospice. So families and youth can come and work with Shelly and her team to just talk about things, to really figure out how you're feeling, talk about death, talk about life, talk about what it means to be in love with someone who may no longer be here, all the hard things. It's really, really tough. Um, and I appreciate you being here so much because, you know, it's just a beacon for people who are on the boat, but there might not be anyone at the, at the helm for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So thank thank you for being a lighthouse for so many kids and families. I appreciate it. Thank
0: you, Tara. You've been such a wonderful supporter of our program, um, spreading the word, helping me connect with partners and then at Greenville Savings Bank being a generous sponsor. Yeah, well, so grateful.
1: I'm grateful for you for sure. You know, and I was just thinking maybe I should volunteer with the kids sometime. So we'll talk <laughs> about that off the air. Um, but you were talking about reading to kids and the programs that you do in the schools and how you get called and, and sort of the ripple effect of kids interacting with each other and talking about books and life and death and grieving. I would love for you to talk about your latest brainchild, which probably isn't new because you've probably been doing art with children for a long time, art therapy, blah, blah, blah. But it's called Art with Heart. So could you talk a little bit about that so that we all know about that? Yes, and thank you. Art with Heart
0: is um, a program that we've been doing this year where we've been collaborating with local artists, who have generously come in to uh, talk about their work, their medium, and um, facilitating a project with the kids where they made a project in the medium of the artist. And um, the kids and the fam, the adults, uh, the family members, have been making art pieces, and they've all just had so much fun with it and um So not only has it been great to see the kids and the artists interacting, but now we've created an exhibit, an art with heart exhibit that's been on the road through the Pioneer Valley since July, and it will continue exhibiting at different spaces um, around the valley until next June. Um, Right now, uh, let's see, November and December, it's at the South Hadley Public Library, Um, Some uh, spaces coming up include Cooley Dickinson, uh, Sunderland Public Library. Uh, We'll be coming back to uh, Northampton Center for the Arts. We'll be going to the LSE Gallery in East Hampton. Um, and probably a few other spaces that I can't think of right now. Um, but it's been a, just a fun project to work on to collaborate with uh, folks from the community, artists, but also these venues have been generously giving us space to display the materials. And then um, the folks who have come, we've had a few uh, receptions to um, highlight the work and the, that's been open to the public. Um, And the folks that have been coming to that have been just so, um, so supportive of not only the work, but also the program at large. And, And that's really the idea behind Art with Heart. Is to you know not only give the kids something fun to do um, but to raise awareness about our work and so next June the exhibit will culminate at 33 Holly Northampton Center for the Arts and we will have a um, a reception slash birthday party uh, for the garden for our 25th anniversary uh, so save the date it's June
1: 9th that sounds great I got a chance to stop by 33 Holly um, to see the display in action, the show in action. And the thing that struck me the most about all of the pieces, although they were all great and they were all very heartfelt and you could just feel the emotion dripping off of each piece. I loved the shoes. Could you talk a little bit about the shoes and, and what that project was like? Absolutely. So that was a, a,
0: a project called Walk in My Shoes by a wonderful artist in Springfield called named uh, Frankie Barrero. And he had this idea that there would be real shoes. Um, the participants could bring in a shoe, and I brought in extra shoes. And um, the he actually worked with the adults in making this project and, um, the, everybody did it a little bit differently. Some, it was a commemorative piece, um, with colors and, um, imagery that connected to the person who died. But then there are others that, um, kind of took the shoe, um, and the, the name of the project, Walk in My Shoes, as kind of, um, an expression of their journey, their grief journey, and um, and so they're just they're all just beautiful sculptures and uh, and also so unique looking. Um, so I'm not surprised that those stood out to you, um, but it was a yeah it was a great project that um, you know it was important to me like our program where we work with the adults too that the adults of the program would get a chance to work with a professional artist too.
1: Yeah, I mean just thinking about it, you know, whether it's the person who had a life has died, you know, their shoes, thinking I was really thinking about like them being the the person's shoes and how you know, they did so much walking, right? They have this life that that preceded them before they died, and now they're no longer able to walk the earth in the way that they were. And so to have these, I just, I was like, oh wow, this is a really amazing. It was um, really powerful. Piece to, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, very much so. And so, you know, I I would love to hear just kind of where you see the garden in the next 25 years. You know, what are you hoping for in terms of growing this program and doing what you do? I know you've already done so much and you have all these different sort of tendrils out in the community and programs and places where you touch people. But, you know, are you seeing like death cafes? Are you seeing... You know, I, I know that's kind of, you know, a major metropolitan thing um, right now where people are talking more about mainstream death and dying and grieving and self-care. Uh, sure. All of that. <laughs> um,
0: I don't have any specific uh, ideas for 25 more years except uh, just to continue serving grieving children. Um and making sure that everybody knows about the garden. Um, you know, as many people have come to, you know, like the last reception for Art with Heart, I can't tell you, you know, well, I never heard about the garden. <laughs> and my response, you know, over my years at the garden is probably because you never needed us. And um, and that's, that's a pretty good thing. Um, but we need everybody to know about us. And so... Um, You know, listening to me today, listening to Tara's support in all her different capacities, um, you know, I welcome people helping to spread the word so that um, there isn't a grieving child that grieves alone. And so, how do people connect with you? How would they find you? They can call me directly at 413 727 5749. Or they can go to our um, website through the Cooley Dickinson VNA uh, Hospice website. I'm also on Facebook, um, The Garden Center for uh, Center for Grieving Children and Teens. Um, or they can email me at s len s l e n n at cooleydickinson.org.
1: Amazing! Thank you, Shelley. Thank you. Such Tara. good work. Um, So I'd also like to thank a couple of our sponsors. We have Greenfield Savings Bank, who is an amazing sponsor of the show. We've been around for 153 years serving Franklin and Hampshire County. We have a new CEO, Tom Meshako. Tom has been our CFO for a very long time, six years. Uh, Well, very long time because COVID is in Mm -hmm. there, so you could double it. (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) Thank you, Tom. We really appreciate you. Um, And also George O'Brien who is at um, Business West, providing us with so much knowledge and information about all the goings-on throughout the entire region. Um, Thank you, George. Uh, Really great radio show, publication, always having fun events at the Log Cabin. If it wasn't for Business West, I don't know where we would have big, large (laughs) events like that anymore. Um, so, thank you so much for listening. This is the Western Mass Business Show. My guest today was the executive director of The Garden, a center for grieving children and teens, which is a program of Cooley Dickinson, VNA and Hospice, Shelley Bath Len. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Tara Brewster. Talk to you soon.